We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's your true faith in the Castle United podcast. You got Alex Hurst, Norman Rowley, Michael Collin to talk about an absolutely massive win for Newcastle United. 1-0 down, 2-1 up. Alan St. Maximan wrapped it up. It's probably what no one will ever sing. Um, <laughs> and um, before we get into it, the performance, the team selection, the future, it was simply a game. The hat, the one, and the one. 100%. Um, obviously, on seeing the team sheet initially, seeing that we start, well, we're starting with five at the back again, seeing that neither Wilson nor Maximan were selected from the start, despite being available, and seeing just... I guess for me, seeing, I mean, Shelby again is the kind of, you know, focal point of the midfield, which is always disconcerting, um, given that he doesn't really seem to contribute much. I just thought we're going to get, we're going to lose. I, I genuinely, I'm saying I thought we're going to lose. What I didn't think was we would win. I, never, I thought like we might get a draw here, but I never I never anticipated a win. I thought from the off, like he's got, he's got it wrong again. And I was expecting the worst. And obviously the 45 minute mark, whistle blows for half time. And everything that you've thought pre-match based on what, what we've, what we've seen it was kind of true, right? I mean, we weren't particularly good in the first half. Okay, you can argue we should have had, well, we definitely should have had a penalty. No two ways about it. Um, but at the same time, I don't think we could have gone in at half time, 2 0 down at least, and thought that there'd been an injustice. Um, that's not saying Burnley were necessarily great, but they were certainly better than us. And obviously, the second half starts, and you can see what Daisha's plan is. It's like, right, get into them straight away, try and get the second. We go 2 0 up here. That's it. Game hour. Game hour. Um, we rode that storm. Obviously, I'm saying stormy. That was more of a kind of sun shower, right? But we rode it anyways. Um, and then you're looking at him thinking, get them. You've got to get them on. You've got to get them on new. And to be fair to him, he did get them on. And even at that point, I thought, oh, hey, you're bringing them on, but you're not changing the formation. You're basically bringing on Maxi as more or less a centre forward. You're kind of putting Wilson on in Joe Linton's position. How's this going to work? Why are you taking Gale off? Why are you not going 4-4-2? And then guess what happens? Maximan just turns it on, just turns it on, man. And um, I, Maximan, Dubravka, and Dummett, I think, were absolute heroes today. No two ways about it. Yeah, and as much as this win doesn't fix everything, you know, Newcastle lost 17th. Steve Bruce in the post-match press conference talks about two wins in a row. In his head, um, we're probably all much higher in the league because if you didn't lose to Palace, if that game didn't happen. If the Leeds game didn't happen and you won against Spurs, even though you didn't, no wonder he thinks he's doing such a good job, fair play to him. 
you know, <laughs> it is a bold thing to do to go into each press conference with armed with the absolute wrong information, but he does it every <laughs> week. But he, but he had to win today, and he did, and that's the thing. And what impresses me so much about Anderson Maximan isn't just that he's a really, really good footballer. You'd think he hadn't played this season, by the way. The way Bruce goes on, he has played. Like he's not played enough, and it's been a massive loss. But he has been available to the team um, at points. But last week against Spurs, when he came on, it was kind of like, "We're well, gone, Alan. Save her." This week, it was even more pronounced that expectation. I mean, a lot of players might struggle with that responsibility. A lot of players might be, feel that you know their teammates should potentially do some of the, the heavy lifting. And it it, it seems it seems to inspire St. Maximan. He seems to play better the more responsibility that is weighed on the shoulders. And I was just thinking, and I know nothing about the French international squad, nothing. But Jesus Christ, they must be a good team if this lad can't even get in the 25 for the Euros because he's some player. Um, Mickey, you know, what's your overriding feeling after that win? Is it more relief or or, or, yeah? or is it a little bit like the weather outside in the northeast here, mate, and probably across the rest of the United Kingdom, wherever the looks fine outside, beautiful sunshine, but actually it's freezing um, and it's a little bit misleading what's happened today. It's a perfect analogy. It's one of those days where you, the the brightness tricks you into wearing shorts and t shirt to go outside, and then you're absolutely freezing all day. Um, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. it. It's definitely it's definitely relief. There's no kind of glee from my perspective. We've we've got a crucial crucial three points on a massive weekend that that you know makes it look pretty likely that we're going to do the absolute bare minimum that's required of this this squad this year and stay in the Premier League. Um, that is ultimately what it is. It's it's three massive points, and you know credit. Credit where it's due. We've won a game where we're massively under pressure. Where you know over over the past eighteen twenty months, we've we've tended not to perform particularly well when we're absolutely needed to, and we have this time. So you have to be positive about that. You know that it, that we don't we don't get this this kind of moment as a Newcastle fan under this manager too often. However, you know what what is there for us to celebrate really here? Like we're. We've secured possibly, not quite yet, but it's looking likely we've secured 17th place in a dismal league where a lot of the teams are terrible around us. And I and, and we're supposed to be happy about that. It's it's I just think it's a little it's a little bit depressing to think about it like that. And I thought your summation of the game there was perfect, Alex. Like so Maximan has come on and has saved us with an individually brilliant performance, brilliant half an hour. If he doesn't come on, we, we don't get anything from that game. I look, I'm definitely not going to look at this as some um, great turning of the corner. My God, isn't Steve Bruce doing a fantastic job at Newcastle? Because that's clearly not the truth, Reid. But we're in a worse position now than when Steve Bruce took over, by some distance, and I'll read by some distance. But all I can do is look at it in the context of today, i.e. we've won, right? So as a fan, winning a game is always nice, right? Um, and also, I guess in the context of this season when it ends... We're still in a relegation battle, and need two ways about it. But the way I'm going to look at this new is, as I'll be I'm happy, happy at the win, happy at Team Maximan and Wilson play. As I say, happy at individual performances because that's that's what you do as a fan, right? But it, but it's in the context of this game. Um, there's no like for me, there's no kind of oh my god, oh, oh we're great. Look look what we could be. Look what we could be. We're beating Burnley two one away with a, an individual performance by Maximan, more or less. Um, but in terms of the relegation battle, like I mean, it is absolutely huge. So there is relief and happiness in that because those six points, that six points gap with Fulham new. And let's not kid ourselves, you know, the game in hand doesn't matter, does it? Ultimately, it's Man City, right? So let's just put that down, that down as a win. We're six points ahead of them, same amount of games left, let's say. We could feasibly, right, 
with that six-point gap and based on the way Fulham are at the minute, lose my next five games, right, and have Sheffield United in front again and still be outside the relegation zone with enough of a gap to basically beat Sheffield United and stay up. That's the madness. That's the madness of it. So look, if that if that transpires, then I mean that's really indicative of a shocking season. You know, we'll lose five games off the spin when penultimate bomb still stay up. Um, but right now, this particular game, the gap that it's given with some of the individual performances, as a fan, I cannot say I'm not I'm not pleased with that, you know. Yeah, fair enough. And I, I, I agree with everything that you've, you you say there. And this is I've just been speaking to some people on Twitter and one of the things which kind of separates Newcastle United as a football club at the minute, not just Steve Bruce, but but the, the owners does fall and Bruce is the manager, is this performance and result is of such magnitude that it should provide a chance for the manager and the players and the football club to salvage what has been a dreadful, dreadful season. You look at those games coming up, and, and if I was a player in that dressing room, why well, was Steve Bruce or one of the coaching staff, you think, what an opportunity for us to, to, to pilot this league. Let's go and beat West Ham next week. We won't beat them. We'll beat them early this season. Let's go and beat them. Let's, Arsenal deserve no respect. You know, Arsenal want all of the ball. Don't give them all of the ball. Let's go and beat them. Yeah, it's going to be tough against Leicester away from home, but Fulham have been to Leicester and, and won. Leeds have been to Leicester and won. It's not impossible. Yeah, Man City at home is a, bit, a different ball game, but you never know. You see what Leeds did to them. You know, what an opportunity now with Wilson St. Maximan fit. And there's still a few injuries, but mostly in the defensive third. Ryan Fraser should be back soon. What an opportunity. However, however, I fear that it's not going to be like that. I fear that uh, staying in the Premier League, and, and you know, I think it was Chris Sutton after the game tweeted, imagine if St. Maximan had been fit all season for Newcastle United. And it's like I told Chris Sutton on Five Live, Alison Maximan doesn't stop Newcastle's first goal going in, in terms of, sorry, Burnley's goal. Alison Maximan doesn't, you know, can't make Newcastle defend. Alison Maximan can't make Newcastle play anything like a consistent formation or team. So, Whilst it is brilliant to have them back in Newcastle, would be further up the league as a result with their best players. I certainly don't think they would be anywhere near the top 10, which I think the squad of this ability and the squad of this depth should be based on what we know about this season. Norman, you talked there, you know, one player I want to touch on a little bit is um, is Paul Dummett there because I thought it would be interesting pre game. You know, Jamal LaSalle's out, normally incredibly important to Newcastle, even if he has the odd bad game himself, um, organizationally. He's crucial to what goes on. He plays in the middle of the back three when we play the back three. Um, whereas today, you kind of had two players who want to play on the left side and Clark and Dummett. Um, and Fernandez coming back after a long time out. Why are we so impressed with his performance, mate? Well, the first half, I mean, let's look at the back three collectively. Clark had a really poor first half. He, had a, he made a couple of errors. His positional sense wasn't great. And he looked like somebody who hadn't actually played in the back three. Um, uh, obviously, that changed in the second half. You know, I mean, I thought some of the defensive work, the kind of you know, the last ditch, last gasp, gasp defending in the second half. Some of it was really good. I thought, I just thought that Dummett's, um, Dummett kind of stepped into that, into that role as the, you know, not necessarily the organiser, but the kind of, the, the the real physical presence at the back. You know, there was a couple of occasions in the second half where he just he just got his body in when Burnley, especially when Burnley was swinging corners in, uh, of which there were plenty of them, and putting crosses in. And there was one particular incident. He, he produced a really good tackle, I think, it might have been Burnley on the break and McNeil getting on the ball. That was Vidra. Sorry, Vidra got on the ball um, second half when Newcastle were two and up and, and he just put in a really well-timed tackle. And I think that performance at centre-half from Dummett was the kind of performance that we'd almost gotten used to seeing when he was when he was playing under, under Benitez, right? You know, that just that very dependable uh, defensive player who was good at covering space, was good at putting tackles in, didn't try anything too elaborate. 
And I think against Burnley, right, that kind of pragmatic defensive work is absolutely necessary because they're a very pragmatic team, aren't they? And uh, for me, it just, it, just re it just really impressed. And I think, obviously, look, Dummett's in a centre-half because of, you know, injuries to Fabian Che and Jamal Lascelles, right? There's no, there's no two ways about it. But ultimately, the, the, the injuries that he's had over the course of his career, but particularly um, since Bruce took over, for him to come in today and to put in that, that performance, I think was really important to him. And I think him, look, this sounds, it might sound a bit regionally biased, but I think the fact that we're in this relegation battle and the fact that he's kind of got the club running through his veins, I think that, that determination is going to be really important between now and the end of the season. And I just think it was a, you know, a really positive performance from him. And, and I'm glad I'm, I'm based on today's performance and kind of based on Spurs as well. I'm, I'm glad to see him back in the team and available. So am I, I thought, um, I thought Dubbett kind of stepped into the role that Clark usually does, does in, in our defense, which is like purely as a, as an out and out defender. Um, don't know what happened there. <laughs> Addy, Addy, mate. I keep trying to mute myself and I've done it twice today. I did it with Charlotte because I, I'm logged in with a True Faith account without realising it and I've just um, clicked on my picture and just made myself. So hello, <laughs> listeners. I hope you appreciate that. <laughs> um, yeah, Dummett kind of stepped into the clock shoes of just being just being a defender and just going out there and, and, and defending, which Paul Dummett's always been very good at. You know, over, over the years, he's put in a number of brilliant defensive displays where he doesn't have to do anything else other than defend. And I thought because Clark kind of played as the central central one of the three at the back and Dummett took that position on the left, Clark has to take more responsibility as a leader and as an organiser, which I don't think he's particularly good at. Clark and Dummett are very similar in that they're, they're excellent defenders at defending, but not really at anything else. They're both, they're both very limited on the ball. I think they're both not the best at organising and... That that really showed, I think, in Clark's performance in the first half that he was slightly out of position. And it's only like it's only very subtle the difference in playing in, in the middle of a back three and playing on the left of a back two, but or on the left of a back three, in fact. But it's it made in my opinion a massive difference on Clark's performance. And he and he struggled, he really struggled in the first half. What I thought was better was a great thing about this game was Clark's performance improved massively in the second half as the teams did. And it wasn't just because we progressed up the pitch, but he just he settled into the role a bit more and started to do more of the things that he knows how to do well. And in the second half, I thought the defensive unit, those three at the back, were, were excellent and did everything that they needed to do. Um, it's just curious that, that we kind of can't really have Dummett and Clark in the same team because they're, they're, they're virtually the same player, despite being really different. Do, do you sort of know what I mean? No, I, I totally agree. I think, I mean, first of all, what formation Newcastle are going to play long-term under Steve Bruce, I've got no idea. Um, you know, the first Steve. win... First win in a long time today, playing five at the back. Um, no, no, I mean, we'll beat Spurs. We'll beat Spurs. Yeah, come on. Oh, we'll beat, sorry, of course. <laughs> we'll beat Spurs. Um, we'll beat Leeds as well. Let's just let's just say <laughs> things. Um, and but but part of me thinks does Graham is Graham Jones, you know, that you talk about players knocking on the manager's door wanting to get in the team. Is Graham Jones Monday morning knocking on Steve's door at 9 a.m.? And then again at 10 a.m. because Steve doesn't come in that early. Um, <laughs> to basically say, oh, Steve, you know what I want? I want my diamond back. We've got the lads back. Come on, against West Ham. Diamond split strikers, you know, it makes sense. St. Maximan and Wilson as a split strikers. Who knows? But what we do know is Newcastle have lots of centre-backs, but they, they keep getting injured, like most of the squad <laughs> under Steve. Um, and I think that I agree with you in this formation that it, it should be with everyone fit potentially Dummett or Clark. 
But what I liked about Dunnett today, and what I've, what I've liked about him since his return, and I think you look at the improvement because Dunnett, let, let's not remember, and we were we were um, as bad as anyone for this, Mickey, when we started this podcast back in 2014-15 season. Um, Dunnett was something of a a laughing stock as a player because he was so culpable on the ball. As a defender, everyone always knew his quality, his passion, but on the ball, he was so far behind his his peers on both sides as a as a footballer. It was like funny, um, and he's had to work on that really, really hard. Like he, he's had to go away over the years. And Rafa Benitez, I think, taught him an awful lot about this, uh, about when to play the ball, about where to play the ball, about what to do in possession. And, and I was impressed today by his by his composure on the ball and his ability to want to find a pass. And I think Clark, who actually has a good range of passing a lot of the time, just hoys it out of play or hoys it clear or kicks it to the other team. That's what I thought Dummett did really well today was kind of composure. And that composure really helped when we were under pressure because every time we kicked the ball back to Burnley, particularly in the first half and the start of the second half, they would get a chance. Uh, and Dummett was kind of alert to that. And, and that's maybe a little bit of maturity showing through because he's you know, he's not getting on, but he's not a young lad anymore. I think he hasn't aged, <laughs> but he <laughs> physically he looks he looks like the same 22-year-old who was playing for Padre back in 14-15 or before that. But I, th- I thought he did really well. And I think... Again, it's centre back. It's the one position, isn't it, where there's just a lot of competition for places. And I think it, again, this isn't uh, an anti Steve Bruce show. I want Steve Bruce to do well at Newcastle United. I don't think he is going to do well. But, you know, we've, uh, body of evidence to back <laughs> up on that. But, but if he is going to be here long term, um, the fact that the, there is such competition for places in that position is a really good thing still. Uh, and, and bodes well for the future. Another player who has done really well in a part of the pitch where there is genuine competition for places, Norman, is Martin Dubravka. Before this game, before this game, and I think the lads on the writer's block, I know the lads on the writer's block, because I listened to the show this week on True Faith YouTube channel, um, you know, had had the debate, uh, Dubravka versus Darlow. And I think, I think that debate has come about because since Dubravka's come back in the team, he hasn't had any of those games where he's won as points. He hasn't had any of those games where you say, best player on the pitch, Martin Dubravka. You look at the two goalkeepers today, and I know Nick Pope was injured, but there was a clear difference in class, I feel, between our goalkeeper and theirs. And I think it's been a little while coming, and it could have been rustiness. It could have been because what in front of him was so catastrophic. But today, mate, he did really well. He was fantastic today. Quickly on, on Dummett. Do you think that maybe because he's been injured so much, he's barely trained under Bruce, and uh, he just hasn't had like, a chance... <laughs> To have like the ability, like sort of kicked out of him, um, and and also he looked older when he had his hair dyed silver, right? Uh, but um, yeah, Martin Dubravka. Um, look, I think today, look, regardless of, of maybe what's gone on beforehand in terms of him not having those games where he's where he's won us points, I ultimately think that the performances have been so shockingly bad in most of those games that like you know. Um, who's the best goalkeeper in the world? Who is he? Um, he, he couldn't save a point. You know what I mean? It's one of those where you think. The, the the performances have been that bad. You stick Ronaldo up front, we probably would have struggled. But um, I think today, for me, it almost underlined why he ought to be in goal first choice all the time. Um, and that's not a criticism of Darlo. It's just saying that De Bruyne has a better keeper. And the reason he's a better keeper is look, he, he shot stopping today was fantastic, right? He's he's kind of quick reactions, especially to the the dummit um, deflection that almost caused him a goal. That was that was fantastic. Um, but it's his it's his command of the area, right? It's his leadership in the box, and you think. How many times Burnley got the ball in the box, just cross after cross, corner after corner, and Dubravka went for every single one of them. And he was making really brave decisions as well, you know, catching it when it should have been caught, 
taking the chance and just punching it when you know he, he wasn't going to get his two hands on the ball, but he was still getting getting himself in there, getting amongst the the Burnley players. And look, I mean, you're looking at you're looking at the keeper who's been attacked by Tarkovsky, me, Chris Wood. I mean, this is a, a team of big units, right? And I think today he just he just stood up. And I think also without Lascelles being in the side. And again, this is no criticism of Dolo. I don't think Dolo gives that leadership and organisation that Dubravka gives. So when Lascelles is in the side, he gives that, right? When he's not in the team, you need someone like Dubravka in there doing that. And I think that that was underlined today. And he was, he was excellent. And again, he's one of those players who is just going to be vital between now and the end of the season. He's going to be vital in the games against, um, let's say, West Ham. Let's see Arsenal. The other games where we think we might get something. Or well, admittedly, I've just watched West Ham absolutely tear Leicester apart and they've scored three goals in each of the last three games um, so you know it's going to be a tough match but um, I, Dubravka was Dubravka was just back to back to his best right and look you have to think as well there might be a reason that he hasn't been great since coming back other than the fact that he's been in a poor side he was injured for a while right he's injured for a while and now he's back to full fitness back to full strength and, and looking great and also he had a kid didn't he so I'd imagine he's lacked a bit of sleep lately yeah no I totally agree and what impressed me about him is that he was targeted, you know, Burnley, last, I said, yeah, it was last season, that awful game. And, and he was basically at fault for the Burnley's winner there in 2019 all day. I mean, Burnley, you know, corners and set pieces are crucial for them. But they, I reckon their corner takers have basically been told, put the ball on Martin Dubravka, put the ball on the day. And he just, he, he dealt with it. Um, he dealt with it brilliantly. He didn't try to overcomplicate things. And, and much like Alison Maximan, who basically is, you know, come on within five minutes, set up a goal and scored a goal to win the game, maybe keep Newcastle in the Premier League. Dubravka, I feel, go right back to his debut against Manchester United. He thrives on responsibility. And that's probably why both of those players could be playing at a higher level than Newcastle United, I feel. And I don't want them to. And I'm pleased they've both been signed up on long-term deals. That's good business by the club. Credit to them for that. Um, not many players. You know, you've seen it, you've seen it with Jesse Lingard at West Ham. Actually, I think he's gone into West Ham and he's the main man and he's thriving on it. You get players like that. Um, so it's really positive to see Bruce after the game, you know, talking about um, he needs his best players, which is, you know, a bit of a cop-out, particularly on for the other players. Like, how are Joe Linton and Dwight Gale supposed to feel? <laughs> Basically, Bruce saying that we cannot win unless Wilson and St. Maximan plays. Um Norman, you want to talk about a player who who massively divides opinion, unlike the two lads we're talking to, and that's John Joe Shelby. I look again. My overwhelming and overriding emotion today is, is, is of happiness. Right, it's a huge huge result. Right, regardless of everything that's gone on, regardless of the dislike of Steve Bruce, in terms of a of my football club, Newcastle United Football Club, that was that was a, a massive win. Read, and there've been so many positives, as I say. But what I will say is that, you know, if we're picking performances out that, I mean, not necessarily flattered to the sea, but just seemed to, to be non-existent. I thought, I genuinely today looked at the pitch and was looking at what was happening and thinking, what, what's like what's John Joe Shelby on the pitch for in this in this game? Like, he didn't, I don't think he contributed at all. Over, I mean, I suppose you could see he had the assist for Maximan's goal, right? Because he was the one who gave him the ball in his own half. <laughs> but um, I think that might actually count as an assist. But uh, I think... I just look at that game today and I look at the games between now and the end of the season. I look at Man City, Arsenal, West Ham, Leicester. And I just think in those games, to, to improve the team or to improve our chances, I genuinely think a different option 
i.e. someone like Matty Longstaff alongside his brother Sean, because Sean was excellent today, by the way. He was really good. Um, he basically did Shelby's running and his own, and he was just, he was all over the place. Um, and I just think that, you know, if we're bringing like, Maximan coming back, Wilson coming back, positives, then then let's let's look at the bigger picture. And actually, what has Shelby done? Like, lately, what has he done that, that justifies his, his ongoing selection and the fact that he completes 90 minutes every single game? I'm, I'm not seeing it. And look, I'm willing to take criticism for it if I'm completely and utterly uh, wrong. So, so dive in, lads, if you have any, or, or obviously listeners, you know. I think you're completely right. I can I can never get my head around how John Joe continues to get a start just by contributing nothing in the games. He, he he actually offers nothing. He doesn't doesn't contribute defensively whatsoever. He can't tackle. He doesn't track his man. He doesn't stand in the right position. He's he's routinely passed around with a quick one-two, which is so basic, and you see it over and over and over again. And it, you, you just I, I'm almost lost for words that he continues to have a run in the team. And then you 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 think about what the options have been over the course of the season, and you can. You can make an argument, though I think it's wrong. You can make an argument that Shelby is the kind of the, being the best of a bad bunch, but then you look at the way Longstaff's come back in the team over the last two weeks and looked excellent and offered everything that Shelby hasn't in, in both ends of the pitch. And and then you think about having Joe Willock on the bench, who's who's better than Shelby in every single attribute being a central midfielder. And you just think, why on earth is is Joe Willock being brought in to sit on the bench when he's clearly better than Shelby? And then. Norman, you're saying there we're bringing bringing back in these players, Maximan and Wilson, dynamic, fast players that we can we can we can use on the break. We can use do transition football. And George Shelby completely stops that dead in the middle of the park. Put Willock in there, who's who's who is dynamic and who who can carry the ball and can break quickly, and it transforms that whole team. It, the central midfield positions are the two most important positions, two or three, depending on how many you play positions on the pitch. And playing Shelby in one of them is just a catastrophe. I think Willock and everything um... else. Sorry, I, I do. I think Willock and Sean Longstaff could work really well um, in the sense that they, as you mentioned, there they're both not only. I mean, Willock especially dynamic, but there's just a, a lot of energy there, right? And in these games that are coming up, that energy is going to be vital. And Willock especially. I mean, look, Longstaff, Longstaff's box to box. I do. I just think that Willock is a, a better in the box player, so he would offer more of a, more of a goal threat than Sean Longstaff. But in in a sense, with Hayden being out, you could almost look at it like. Longstaff kind of taking on the Hayden responsibilities, right? But also offering a bit more in the sense that he can he can get forward and, and create a little bit. And Willick just given that energy, and that isn't something we get from Shelby. And it's, and it's not like Shelby's in the team even offering the kind of Hollywood passes and creating, you know, and putting them putting into space for runners to get onto or or offering anything from set pieces. It's it's like literally at the moment it feels like he's just offering nothing other than a body on the pitch and, and everyone's hypercritical of Jeff Henrik. And to be perfectly honest with you, at the minute, I don't necessarily think Shelby contributes much more than Henrik does when he's playing. That might sound harsh, yeah. but it's just just how I'm seeing it. So I would prefer Willick and Longstaff in there. I'll disagree slightly, lads. I thought Shelby had an okay game today. I agree generally with both of your points about about him, but we haven't seen Willick you know, who is an excellent offensive player, <laughs> whether Shelby is doing this out of choice or out of, you know, out of because he's just not fit enough to keep up with attacking play. I thought he, he retained possession fairly well today in the defensive part of the pitch when we're under a lot of pressure. Now, that don't get us wrong. I'm not making, don't think you should be in the team just because you can play a, a pass to a teammate. But we've seen with Isaac Hayden, we've seen with Jeff Henrik at times that, you know, that, that has been an issue, giving the ball away when under pressure and Shelby, I thought, covered quite well. He defended all right. 
is he going to be able to do that against other teams? No, because because Burnley. I mean, let's let's be real. Newcastle had three man midfield against Burnley's two man midfield today, so so I thought Shelby was better because of that, because he didn't have to do as much running. Normally, spot on that because Sean Longstaff is everywhere, he's so athletic, he's everything John Joe Shelby isn't in terms of being the first man back to help out defensively and the first man to support in attack. And maybe Joe Willock as well would be give, would be the same given that opportunity. Um, I just thought Shelby was all right today, certainly better than previous because of the defensive work. And I've said on loads of podcasts that it's insane that that's his role in this team, that Steve Bruce gives him. You know, even when Hayden was fit, he had Shelby playing at the base of the diamond and Hayden on the left, which is so ridiculous. I don't even want to get into it. But I thought, I thought in terms of his ability today on the ball, and I'm going to do um, do an Adam here from the True Faith podcast who reverts back to whoscored.com for play ratings. And uh, they are John Joe Shelby is um, the third best player on the pitch today behind Dubravka and St. Maximan. It's all made but, up, man. It's all over. I know. <laughs> I'll agree with you there. Um, before I talk a little bit more about Longstaff, then, mate, Norman, you want to come in? I think you made a reasonable point there about today's performance. I guess I'm I'm more basing that on recent performances and looking at the rest of the season. So so I look, he may have had a, a half decent game today, a reasonable game, however you want to frame it. And wherever you got those statistics from, um, I'm guessing there's an element of subjectivity in those uh, ratings, right? But um, <laughs> I think uh, I think I'm, I'm as I say, I'm kind of more looking at looking at it as, as in who we've got coming up as opponents. And what Shelby's role in those particular games will be, I just think today okay was okay, but I think those games coming up are going to need someone who is who is just more energetic. But you know what? Hey, he might be he might be brilliant between you and the end of the season. I might be just chatting shit as ever. No, I, I totally agree with you. I don't think you're chatting shit at all. And I think someone made the point earlier on on social media. I didn't quite catch who it was, but someone said if you look at what West Ham done this season, different. Moyes just plays the same formation. They basically play 4-2-3-1 um, with all the best players in their best positions and everyone knows how they play. The complete opposite of Newcastle United um, where we'll change formation regularly and players like Miguel Almiron, like John Joe Shelby are almost like, you know, picked regardless, even though I want Almiron to be picked. But <laughs> like shoehorned into formations and roles in the squad just because Bruce doesn't want to drop them. So, and it doesn't make any sense. And eventually it catches up with you. And you're right that, well, I'm right, <laughs> that it might work against Burnley, but it ain't going to work against West Ham, like that kind of thing. So I want to talk about uh, Longstaff really quickly, purely because he just seems to generate a lot of hate. You know, I made the point earlier this season that I thought if you'd looked at Newcastle's better games after the start of the season, Longstaff played against Palace. He played against Everton at home. Um, he come in against Spurs last week and he played there. I, I always just seem to um, associate good Newcastle or better Newcastle performances with Sean Longstaff, even though he, you know, we talked about the podcast last week. I think he, he tries to, to move the ball quickly and that sometimes means he loses possession. But, you know, the, the gamble of trying to get the ball to a player in an attacking position more quickly than taking two or three touches like some of his midfield colleagues seems to incense certain fans um, Norman, you've just written because he's a Geordie, and I, I think there's something about that. There is something about that. I, I would rather 
Sean Longstaff as well than Jeff Henrik. Not that I have anything against Jeff Henrik beyond his performances for Newcastle. Um, it's that I, I want the local lads to do well. I want them in the team. I want Sean and Matty to be on midfield too. I want Paul Dummett and uh, Andy Carroll from 12 years ago to be in that team. It's, you know, that, that means something, players that come through the academy. But I think Sean Longstaff has to stay in this team, you know, until the end of the season. I mean, the, 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 you know, this isn't a criticism, Bruce, because we'll criticize him plenty. But I thought it was hilarious to bring Jeff Henrik on at the end. It was just like a testimonial. Like, go on, Jeff, you put yourself on, mate. You, you remember playing here, do you? <laughs> go on, run on again. But fair, fair enough, you know, wasting time or whatever. But, um, Anyway, I thought I thought Shaw Longstaff was really good, and I think now in this formation, at least, he's someone who understands his role a little bit better than maybe other players. He's just got to be everywhere, and he is everywhere, and he and he won some crucial fifty fifties. He never shirks out of a challenge. He, you know, he's he's kind of a complete player, and I think he's so young still, and he's still played so few games at the top level. He could only get better, even under Bruce Norman. Just quickly, a couple of things. Um... I said because it's a Geordie, I think it's interesting. I think there's a certain element in in the fan base, and it probably it's probably every fan base right? that almost like when a, a young player from the region comes through, if they're not absolutely magnificent. I mean, you know, obviously Shearer didn't come through the Newcastle Academy, but he was he's a he's a he's just a world class player, right? World class footballer, um, and it's almost like if they're not world class, like. There's it, it, they're kind of easier to criticize. It's almost like you want to see them be world class so much, you want to see them be brilliant so much that, like, anytime they make a mistake, it's like you, you pick up on it straight away. Um, so I think you know, I, I think Dummett gets a lot of gets a lot of grief. Who maybe uh, another defender of a similar ilk probably wouldn't get as much. Um, I think you could make, make the same argument about Shola Miobi when he played as well. Um, but you know, that this might be a podcast for a different time. Um, <laughs> What, what I would say about Longstaff is one of the reasons that Longstaff's probably excelling at the minute, right, is because, and Willick has made it, you know, Willick's alluded to this when he came off the bench the other week, Bruce basically says, just run around a lot, right? And for Longstaff, I mean, he's literally covering every blade of grass. So it, it probably works out pretty well from that that kind of minimal instruction. It's just like, just work hard. And that's what he's doing. And um, like you say, mate, I think we're a better side, better side with him in there. And that doesn't necessarily mean he's, he's creating loads He's, you know, he's playing magnificently. But what he's doing is, is he's covering every single blade of grass, right? And that's really important when you're in a relegation battle. Much like his brother would as well. Matt, he's exactly the same kind of player, isn't he? He puts, uh, puts 100% in and covers a, a massive amount of ground on the pitch. It's so effective having that in the middle of the park because it it limits space and opportunity for the other team. It seems so basic, but it's like something, it's something that's been so missing for Newcastle for a long time that when, when Longstaff comes back in the team and does it, it's like, bloody hell, look at that. Like, look how effective that is. I saw um, Norman, your point on being a Geordie, it's interesting and it's, it's right, totally right, and you've, you've named a good few examples from years gone by. It, it's interesting when you frame that with a narrative that we, we get slammed to us by the national press all the time, that we're, we only want Geordies managing the club, we only want Geordies playing for the club, but, you know, we hate everyone that's from London, blah, 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 all, all of that absolute rubbish. The reality of that is actually the total opposite is true, and that, and that Newcastle fans, generally speaking, are extremely critical of people that are from here, and love people that aren't from here that come here and get it. Like I just, I just think it's interesting that actually that, that narrative is the, the opposite of the reality. You're not suggesting that national media outlets deliberately mislead people, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't do that. <laughs> um, well, just you know, to give a to give a quick plug for the 1892 pledge scheme, which we launched at the trust on Thursday. We've got Warren Barton on board, and if there's anyone who understands 
Newcastle United, Newcastle as a city. It's Warren Barton, a guy who played across the country, a guy who played for England, a guy who lives in America, a guy who's not from here, and he uh, he absolutely understands and, and knows this football club um, to back you up. So he's one of our guardians that look after the, the 45,000 we've raised so far, which we're hoping to bring in monthly to buy a proportion of the club. If you're interested, head to 1892pledge.co.uk. But we did a podcast, a whole podcast, me and Mark Corby, on this topic, so I'll stop talking about it for now. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the rest of the season in the relegation picture, as is, lads. But I suppose first, I just, I just, I do want to get into you know the overall performance and what you thought about the start of the game, the formation, because let's let's face it and let's be real. You know, I've said at the top of the show, I don't think there's that many Steve Bruce fans listening to this podcast. But you have to give credit, you know, I thought we'd lose today, I thought we'd lose 2-0, I thought Burnley were better than us in the first half ball out, but even though the commentator said it was an inspired substitution to bring on your best player, um, Steve Bruce had to win today, in my opinion. I've said that about five times in the past eight weeks, and he, but he has won, he has won, and, and like, we're 17th, we're still shit. We're still 17th, I'm certainly not going to be changing my opinion during the time soon, but he is paid to win football matches and he classic United manager and today he won and he can be pleased with that and we're all pleased with that and we're going to West Ham next week, two unbeaten not quite the two wins in a row Steve claims it is but it's still two unbeaten um, and it's, you know, it's. I'm looking forward to the game, I'm looking forward to the game um, however, Norman you know, you, you sent me some messages before the game about your thoughts on on what had happened and I think you, you particularly wanted to touch on the kind of disconnect that there is between Bruce's instruction and what the players actually do and the impact it has on the game. For example, Alan St. Maximan and the equaliser. 100%. Um, first of all, though, just to kind of paint a picture for you, I think that Steve will be getting double helpings of custard and apple pie from, <laughs> from his good lady this evening after that victory. Um, but the so this, this has happened on a, on a couple of occasions. Right? We've seen that. And, and Bruce has admitted this himself, right? He's not he's not a tactical manager. And none of these coaches on the sidelines inspire that kind of opinion as well. You don't think you don't look at them and think, oh, they so like let's say, for example, you know, Ferguson at Manu when he realized that his when he realized the game was evolving and it was more about tactics and make managing, right? He brings in Steve McLaren, he brings in Carlos Kieros, right? I mean, he brings in people who are there for that kind of tactical input, right? And this happens, you know, you do get figurehead managers whose coaching staff do all the tactics. That doesn't seem to be the case at Newcastle. Um, Jones, you can say, was brought in for that, but ultimately he plays one formation. Um, the, so the, there, is, there, is a dis- there is a disconnect between the players, and Bruce brought on Maximan and Wilson as straight swaps for Joe Linton and Gale. So the same formation. Um, and to me, it looked like that wasn't necessarily consciously ignored by those two players, right? But Maximan for sure reverted to his natural position, even though it doesn't appear when he came on, he was supposed to be necessarily in that position. He just did it. He just did it in any way. And I think we've done a couple of podcasts this season where we've mentioned the exact same point. It's been like, aye, aye, hold on. Something's happened. Yeah, the players have just taken this on on themselves. And as I say, whether that's a a conscious or unconscious decision, I I don't know. But that, again, it reflects for me the fact that there isn't a, a kind of tactical switch as such it is literally just replacement for replacement and then the players kind of figured it out for themselves and Tilly obviously they did figure it out for themselves because Maximan was absolutely fantastic and he did he did everything right um again I, know I, I may be absolutely wrong on what I'm um, positing there but 
it's just how I feel when I when I see Maximan come on and just drift into his own position in any ways. We've seen it before a couple of times recently with Gale, who's supposed to have been playing as a one of the split strikers and just ends up in the middle of the park. I, I guess there's something in that like a natural instinct for a footballer when you've when you've played in a certain position for 20 years and then the manager makes up a new one and you have to try and play there. You're gonna instinctively end up back in your own position. But I think it's more conscious than that. I think I think there's a there's a definite intent from the players to play play the style that they know because they don't think that the style that the manager's imposing on them is gonna work. I I I think that that's right. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, isn't it? That um, I saw uh, the Chronicle today had put uh, in their five things. I think Kieran Kelly's article, five things, discussion points, whatever from the match was three five two slash five three two here to stay. I just think it's a formation that takes anything that's good about this Newcastle United. So what's good about this Newcastle United with everyone fully fit? It's Callum Wilson, Anderson Maximan on the left wing, uh, Miguel Almiron possibly as a second striker or behind the striker. Um, and you know you could you could go a little bit more by going into other positions, but I think they are the the, the three big ones for Newcastle. The three bits of quality when we play other teams, when we play Burnley, when we play West Ham, they're going to be like Miguel Almiron, Callum Wilson, Alan St. Maximan, and playing this five-three-two system means that only one of those players gets to play in their natural position, which is a massive problem. And you saw, I mean, St. Maximan did what he did through the middle of the pitch for the second goal. I mean, he tends to drift in anyway. So I agree with you, Norman, that he went out wide today because, and you saw that for the, for, for Murphy. We've already mentioned Murphy, brilliant goal, by the way, from Murphy. Um, but, it play, you know, Murphy isn't a right wing back, but that's the only real system that Bruce seems willing to play him. Um, so Maximum, by going out wide, dragged the whole of the Burnley defence out of position, dragged three players in front of them. But you almost get the instructions. We don't know what the instructions are. Bruce, Bruce might have said, uh, listen, Alan, I want you to play alongside Callum, but make sure you get down the flanks as well. Like, who knows? I mean, I'm, I think I'm being kind there, but I would, I would like to at least give it, the manager a little bit of credit for a good win. But you'd think if, 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 if you assume that wasn't the case then St. Maximan should have been in the box. Someone else should have been at the <laughs> byline and it would have gone back to a centre-back and it would have gone back to the keeper. And that's, this is the, the, the good thing today about it was a massive win, key win, dead happy, really pleased, well done team, well done Steve, fair enough. But when you try and analyse the future, it's not sustainable because Burnley should have won that game today. Burnley come off, Sean Dyche after the game, Burnley should have won that game today based on the balance of play and based on the balance of chances. And fair enough. You know, we I can't think of that many times in the Steve Bruce, but everyone listening to this and watching this will have recalled games that we battered the opposition, should have won and didn't. So it's nice to be on the other side of that for a change. But that's that this is the constant thing about Steve Bruce's Newcastle United. There's 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 nothing beyond the here and now. Someone today in our WhatsApp group said the way that Bruce talks in press conferences, you don't even know who you feel like he doesn't even know who we've got next week. Because unless we're playing a good team, like a top six team. Either we keep the same formation because it did all right last week. So regardless of, you know, who knows how West Ham have done against teams that play five at the back this season. I don't know. But I know that our four four two caused them loads of problems. I know uh, early in the season, West Ham actually got the best, second best record at, at home in the Premier League. Um, and 
we we are one of the few teams to have gone and won there this season playing four four two. And fair enough, they might have a bad record against teams with five against five three two. But do we really think Bruce looks into it? Does he really look at what the opposition weaknesses are? Or now we won a day because of some brilliance from one player and, and fair play to Murphy for the goal, but it was one player who won this game for Newcastle today, or two players if you look at Dubravka. You worry about the impact on the future. And what if West Ham turn up at St James's next week and win three nil? Does that then mean we're going to the Arsenal game or whoever we've got after or Liverpool, whoever we've got after that and play four at the back? It's kind of the lack of long-term planning which which concerns you. And that's I go back to my earlier point. You would hope that the last two results can take us to a to an even better position rather than this being a baseline. You know, this is like right, we're 17 to a six points clear of Fulham. This is it. Job done. Doesn't matter. And, and you saw that at the end of last season. I remember doing podcasts after we beat Bournemouth away last season thinking this is a real opportunity to get the 50 points for only the second time under Mike Ashley. This is a real opportunity to get to the top 10. Yet you hear Steve Bruce and his advocates talk about last season like it was some sort of minor miracle, finishing 13th on, 30, on 43 points. You saw Isaac Hayden get dropped this season, and maybe it's the conspiracy theorist, but Isaac Hayden comes in and says last season, as soon as we were safe, the whole place basically shut down for the summer. He was dropped the next game for saying that, whether it's because of that, I can only speculate. Uh, Mickey, let's talk about the bigger picture stuff. Now, do you think Newcastle are safe from relegation? Ah, you're making me go first and say it out loud. Um, no, I don't. I don't think that is the safe. idea of podcast. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're safe, but I think we're as, as close as we can get. To be honest, now Fulham have Fulham have lost form at the worst possible time, and they've got a they've got a seriously bad run of games. I think we're we're safe by virtue of, of of not ourselves though. Like it's not it's not our doing that we're safe. It's just that the bottom three have been so terrible that we're probably going to survive on thirty five points, which is a dismal points total. Um, to get that now, we only need one more win out of the remaining games. So if you put me on the spot, yeah, I would say that we are safe. But like it's like skin of the teeth stuff, and in in virtually any other season with any other bottom three, we we would be in there. No one. Spot on. Um, I think. We're not safe, clearly not, you know, we're not mathematically safe by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think that we will stay up new. I do think I think I think Fulham's collapse in form has has really convinced me that, you know, barring a, a an absolute collapse by us. I mean, I'm talking losing every game between now and the end of the season, which you know, as bad as we've been on occasion, I didn't see we losing seven games off the spin like. Um, and I didn't see Fulham making up which is what is quite a big deficit, even though you know I was talking about West Brom perhaps staying up earlier on. Um, West Brom are in a, a different kettle, a different kettle of fish to um, to Fulham. But uh, I think I think we'll be fine. But as you as you both said, it's still a little bit depressing that we'll likely survive on thirty five points. I mean that is such a paltry total, and it kind of ties back into what you were talking about a second again, Alex, in terms of looking at. You know, looking at looking at the whole as opposed to just today's performance, and I think when I'm expressing the happiness at today's performance, it's because I'm only I'm kind of only looking at it in the context of today. It's, it's like one win, one half decent performance. I'm going to enjoy that. But ultimately, if you do look at the bigger picture, we're still in just as bad an overall position as we were before the game, ten games again, whatever. Um, so I'm going to enjoy today's win, but ultimately, I'm still going to have one eye on on the reality, which is. Steve Bruce is not going to take this club forward. It's only going to continue to go backwards on him. It's interesting. When we did the um, we did a, a live reaction show straight after the game, and over the course of the podcast, we went from being quite positive because we had that instant reaction to a big three points. By the end of the podcast, 35 minutes later, we were all pretty negative again because we'd kind of analysed the match and realised that 
Newcastle had been making the same mistakes as we've been making all season in this game, and we've just managed to come out at the end of it with a win, which is uncommon. Um, we're still terrible in possession on the ball. We're still conceded. Most possession was, was still conceded. A massive amount of territory against a terrible Burnley side. We still allowed them to play their own style of football. Still allowed them to overload our box with crosses, which were dealt with well. But if, if Burnley could have chosen how they wanted to play the game today, they would have said, we want to get the ball in the box a lot. And we've just completely allowed them to do it. It's like we never, ever learn from anything that's happened before. And that's what's going to continue to happen under this under this management team. Like We'll, we'll never get any better really than we are now because we're never going to learn from our mistakes so whether or not we stay up on 35 points or not we'll come to the first day of the season next season and we'll be making the same mistakes again and doing the same mental things again that's it's just depressing isn't it like it's a good it's a good point i think the first half reminded me a bit of brighton which is which just absolutely and utterly ceded to to what they wanted to do um and it was it i thought that first half regardless of gail's um, chance in the, the the penalty that that was never given but should have been. We were equally as bad as we were at Brighton, um, just completely passive and allowing them to dominate. Um, but fortunately, we've got coming back to fitness. And look, the thing is, with Maximan, you look at his career since he got to Newcastle. There's every chance he starts the next game and pulls up after 20 minutes with an injury. That's the reality. We're so absolutely reliant on the talent of, of a wonderful, wonderful footballer that it is it is disconcerting. And and look, we are probably going to start next season. With that same reliance on, you know, the key performances by a few brilliant individuals. That's if he doesn't say for someone better than us. <laughs> and that's that's the thing, you know, it's very hard in in our position um, as Newcastle United fans under Mike Ashley to not want. If te- if teams are coming in for your players, it means they're doing well. So you want your players to do well, um, but also it's kind of horrible to know that Maximan should probably be. At a bigger club than Newcastle United, he'll know that. He'll have those ambitions. What's he now? Twenty-three, you know. So he he will have those ambitions. And I go back to what I said earlier. I think he's such a talent. To me, he would walk into the England squad and England have got some very very good attacking players. And I'm biased because he plays for Newcastle. But on his day, he is that good. You know, Norman. We had the conversation yesterday, and we talked a little bit about it on the Charlotte Show pre-match. That when we beat Burnley at our place, they were missing Ben Mee and James Tarkowski. Not many players put James Tarkowski on their arse like he did today. In fact, I'd yeah. say I've never seen anyone do that before. It looked amateurish, and this is an England international. Um, so, you know, that, fantastic. And Mickey, I agree with you that we probably are safe. No one, I agree that there's, there's more to be done. Um, my concern is that earlier in the season when we got, what was it, 11 points ahead of West Brom, uh, sorry, 11 points through the relegation zone after we beat West Brom, there, it, it, it crept in again. The feeling of, let's go to Man City and let's declare it nil two, and let's get out of there <laughs> and who's grinning after the game. And we compare that, to, compare that to Marcelo Bielsa at Leeds yesterday. Delighted but wanting more from the players, wanting to create more. There's a difference in mentality and I always fear that mentality. And this, this is not just Steve Bruce, I believe it permeates throughout the football club, right from the very top and Mike Ashley. So it's not just on him, this issue. He can't he can't change it by himself as much as Rafa Benitez tried to change it. Um, there's a fear that if, this, if these players and that manager start to think we're safe, then we could get relegated still. They need to go into West Ham and think it's as big a game as Burnley, as big a game, laughing, as Brighton. <laughs> so maybe they need to think it's a not important game to try and actually produce a performance in the first half. I don't know. But they, they need to take something from that game. And today I thought, and I said this after the, the Spurs game, Norman, which we were both on together, I thought that you know the, the result was all important today. The performance didn't matter. 
Whereas next week, assuming Fulham lose their next two against Arsenal and Chelsea, Arsenal away, Chelsea at home, tough games. Tough games, those games. You, you wouldn't expect them to win those games. You know, for me, the performance is important next week against West Ham. You know, you want to see something better than we saw today. Because if if, the, if you keep stinking out the place but picking up a point, then, then how are we supposed to ever look forward to anything ever under this manager? Rumours of a new contract. If he keeps you up oh. this season. I think I think I think that reality kind of sunk in a couple of months ago. I think we even had a conversation about the fact that if he keeps you up and he's only got one year left in his contract, what'll happen is he'll end up signing a new contract around about sort of December time by the, the latest. If we're if we're outside the relegation, we still have this season, but outside the relegations are in December, there'll be a new contract. I, I, as long as Mike Ashley's here, I don't I don't doubt it. Now look, do I want to see Newcastle um, put out excellent performances? I do I believe that it's going to happen under Steve Bruce and um, his um, team? No, no, I didn't. I didn't. So ultimately, for me, the result, and Steve Bruce says it himself, doesn't he? It's about the accumulation of points, right? And he said it twice in his interview, uh, his post match interview today at the BBC. I, I think, I like genuinely, I'm at the stage right now, right now, under Steve Bruce, because I know it's never going to get better in terms of the, the quality of performances, right? But, you know, we might have the occasional one peppered in here and there when a, when a player like Maximan is in the side and he turns it on. Someone like Wilson, like against Everton away when he, you know, he was basically Roy of the Rovers. Um, I they'll happen. But under under Bruce, I'm kind of buying into his logic if it's about the accumulation of points. Literally, the performances didn't matter. West Ham, if you're looking at Fulham's next two games and, you, and like, there's every chance they'll lose both those matches, we beat West Ham. Which, and I know West Ham are fantastic, but they are beatable, right? They are. And they're going to be under pressure themselves. Because, well, exactly. And this win today against Leicester has put them in a position where... They're in the chat. They're in the top four, right? Pressure's going to come with that. There's going to be pressure yeah. on them in this game against Newcastle to maintain that, right? They were outside of it before they play Leicester. Um, so it's a chance. We beat them, regardless of how bad the performance might be. We beat them. That's it. We're safe. We're, we're, you're more or less saying that we're safe. And I want them to stay up. And I think under Steve Bruce, unfortunately, the limit of our ambition is to stay in the Premier League until he guns. So for me, get the win. The performance is secondary to it, ultimately. Well, he said it himself, didn't he? He admitted his remit is to, to get a 17th to stay in the Premier League and it looks like he's going to achieve it. What he said, though, Alex, before is, a, is an important point. Like, if if the lads think that that's the goal and they think that they're almost there, they will down tools. It's natural. It, it doesn't just happen in Newcastle. It happens across across world football and that's that's the real danger because, you know, normally you've said, you've said there, Arsenal, Arsenal and Chelsea are difficult games for Fulham, but they, they might beat them. They went to Liverpool and won. If they get three points out of one of those games... It puts the puts the onus back on us to to keep maintaining the gap, and then we obviously have to travel there last day of the season. If we if we travel to Fulham on the last day of the season, needing more than zero points out of it to stay up, we'll go down. That's that's how it works for Newcastle. So that's what we need to avoid. And I, I don't know. You haven't haven't listened to you say that. I, I kind of retract my was safe, and I, I'm not necessarily <laughs> certain that we are. Breaking news as it happens, Mickey. Fluid opinions on the True Faith podcast. <laughs> that will do it for today. Um, it's been a pleasure to talk to you too. Thanks very much uh, for your time. Thanks everyone for listening. Um, if you listen to the podcast, please, if you haven't already, think about leaving us a, a five-star review with a comment on Apple Podcasts, if that is your chosen platform of choice. And if you're watching on YouTube, please consider subscribing to the channel. We do these every week, so you'll get a little notification when we do them and appear in your newsfeed, Norman. What if someone wants to leave a four-star review? Then then don't even think about it. <laughs> oh, fair enough. It's got to be five. It can only be five. Got you. Got you. It can only be five. <laughs> Just like Newcastle, only five at the back.
So five, five <laughs> of the back yeah. five stars. Um, anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We will be back after West Ham uh, with another one of these and hopefully another great win, if not a good performance, like Norman says. Cheers. Goodbye. <laughs>